The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 133 for December 24th, Christmas Eve, 2007. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. This is uh, Dave Hamilton. Of course, I'm here with John Braun. Hi, John. Hi, Dave. And uh, it's light out. It is light out. Yes, I know. Very strange. Although I can't see that because I'm in the uh, soundproof studio, so it's totally light proof as well. Uh, how's your weekend been going? Your holiday weekend? We're doing this, of course, uh, Monday morning, about 10 hours, uh, 11 hours earlier than we usually do. How's Sounds your- great. Uh, on vacation, taking you know, like most people, yeah, all the all the extra vacation thing the year. So yeah, I'm off until uh, till next year. Cool. I'm not, but uh, that's okay. Mm. I don't. I don't mind. Uh, I, I enjoy every uh, nearly every aspect of my job. You know, I uh, I I uh, I went. I have to tell you, John. I went and saw Hannah Montana on on Friday night, and they put on a fantastic show. Mm. Yeah, I took my daughter. She loved it. Uh, yeah. Positive role model, unlike some other. Uh, never mind. <laughs> I could reduce ourselves to talking about Britney's sister. Oh no. Uh, okay. Anyway, yeah, this is the Mac Geek Gab. And of course, we have uh, uh, limited time. I've always, uh, many times, I've said, "Oh, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to go through and not a lot of time to do it." Today, it's actually true. I, I've got a, uh, a a thing I have to do, um, kind of a last minute issue that I need to get taken care of. So, uh, so oh, we've got lots lots to do. Um, yeah. All right. So let's start with some responses from last week's show. One of the things we talked about last week, quickly mentioned, was that uh, John had an issue where uh, installing an update, I guess you, the, the latest system software update, uh, 2007-009, it appeared to have, have frozen. You uh, had to force reboot your machine to bring it around. And when you did, it launched the setup assistant and we wondered why that happened. And Tom wrote in and said that the setup assistant will not run if the file slash var slash db slash dot apple setup done with capital A, S and D uh, is is there. So apparently once the setup assistant finishes, it goes in and touches that file, creates it out there. And then and then that's what uh, what gets us going. So that's what that's what. T- so every time the Mac boots, it looks to see if that file's there. And if it's not, then the setup assistant runs. So go figure. That's uh, who knows why that got blown away when you did what you did. But perhaps that's uh, part of the, the update process. <clears throat> yeah. Any, any any more comments on that? Or can I move on to, to John's comment about about? Yeah, not issue? quite yet. Yeah, okay. I got some comments. Uh, OK. Uh, I, I will also state that, that that update was reissued as version 1.1, I believe, on Friday. One, two, three. Yeah. Uh, there was an issue, and we reported about it on TMO, where if you had a form submission uh, button that brought you to a new frame, it would cause Safari to crash with that update installed. We uh, we reported that, uh, I guess, early last week, right after it happened. And then uh, Apple issued the, the revision to the update on Friday. So if you had if you got the original version, make sure you take the second one. Otherwise, you, you'll be susceptible to the Safari crash along those lines. Uh, John, a different John, of course, wrote in and or 
called in, I guess, and said this. Hi, John and Dave. This is John from Melbourne, Florida. I was listening to your last show and heard you talking about your G5 seeming to hang after a uh, software update. My G4 has done that several times, and what I found is that the system has not actually hung. If you look very closely and you don't have too dark of a desktop background after your dock and menu disappears, you'll be able to see the shadow of the circling cog or spoke that you normally see during the startup process, which is software update telling you it's doing things in the background. Give it a few minutes and it will eventually restart. If you interrupt it in the middle of the process, that's when you have to go through the 20 questions and uh, letting software update finish after you boot back up. Just thought uh, you might like that information. Thanks. Thanks, John. Okay, so, and I've seen this too, and it, it is kind of weird because the all you get, you get essentially a blank screen, but it has your desktop picture background. And then mm-hmm. in the very, very kind of lower middle portion of the screen, you get the, the little cog that, that spins around. But it, it is hard to see. Now, I, I'm not sure if, if that happened for you or not. You may not even know, John. It, um. And I'll say it, no. So that's great advice. And, and yes, I can understand how that would happen. In my case, though, I know that was not the case. Okay. Because I had a second update come along, the one that you mentioned. I guess they had two versions of the security update. Because actually, when I fired up my machine to get ready for the podcast, it said, oh, there's another update available. You want to apply it? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, no. Let me, I'm like, should I do this before a show and, you know, really risk it and i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah all right good and i did and, and i saw the dialogues i saw the spinning cog but in this case it did restart so there was still and, and actually we had um someone write in uh will yeah. uh in scotland wrote in and and he said uh essentially i'm not going to read the whole thing but he basically said john you're not insane the same thing happened to me now what he did and i think i may have done this too and not mention it explicitly is he would get caught in this loop where he kept answering the questions. And, and actually, I had that happen to me, too. And I think what we both did to get out of it eventually in desperation is that in the login screen, um, there's a restart button, or there usually is. Uh, I think you can disable that. Okay. Um, actually, a reason for doing that may come up uh, in, a, in a future question. But um, anyway, so we had it confirmed. And, you know, like me, he didn't know anybody else that this has happened to. So, uh, so, so that makes me feel a little bit better than I'm the only person in the world that this happened to. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on. We had been talking about, uh, Robert's issue where his machine would not go to sleep. It would, it would fall asleep or you could tell it to go to sleep. And then uh, within about 10 seconds, it was awake again. And we talked about some various things and Burke had this to say. Hey, John and Dave, it's Burke from Florida. I am actually a refugee from Massachusetts, so I enjoy hearing about your snow and cold during the, uh, the Geek Gab. Uh, one of the things that I was uh, listening in your uh, recent podcast about sleeping is I have found that if you have a USB hub and or a USB hub and a card reader, so like a, a CF reader or a reader for a, a camera card, on the machine, no matter what you do, you can't make it sleep. So that's one thing that I found, uh, and the way I found that was going through the uh, the system log, uh, found that information that uh, that thing was not letting it sleep. I finally gave up. Uh, I need to have the card reader on the machine. I need to have the hub on the machine, and 
it's just the way it is. I stopped trying to figure out how to make it sleep. So that's one thing. USB hub and or card reader uh, attached to that hub could potentially be a problem. Uh, enjoy the frozen north. Uh, it's beautiful here in Florida. Uh, thanks for the show, and I enjoy it very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually above freezing today, but uh, I think on, on Saturday afternoon we had, I think, a total of about three feet of snow in the yard here before it started melting. Uh, nice. It's all gone. It got all rained on over the last couple of days. Yeah, so yeah. Went away. Uh, so Alex also wrote in with a similar uh, suggestion and said it might be a USB card. And I, I, I forwarded this information along to Robert. And sure enough, he had uh, he has two USB PCI cards in the machine. One was from an unknown manufacturer called Opti. I think was how it, it reported itself in System Profiler. And if I'm understanding this correctly. And he pulled that card out, and sure enough, that solved the problem. So he, he that we know that we know the answer to the issue now, and that is uh, is a beautiful thing. Do you have anything to add on that, John? Before we before we keep moving here, well, just a, a general reminder: if you do have these sort of problems, is that uh, you know taking a systematic approach and pulling this stuff out, probably this stuff again, like oddball, you know, no name, uh, because you know chances are the drivers may not be the the most well written. Um, right. So stick with brand names, kids. <laughs> Our first I've sponsor. Seen this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying I've seen this. You know, I, I don't think it's as prevalent in the Mac world, but it, you know, especially in the PC world. I mean, some of the stuff you have no idea where where it came, or you know, it's it's you know overseas somewhere. But uh, you know, from what I see, the, the the quality can vary wildly. So, uh, but yeah, be systematic about it, um, and and you'll solve the problem. There you go. Our first sponsor for this show is Audio Engine USA, of course, at AudioEngineUSA.com. And they are the makers of the A5 and A2 desktop speakers. These speaker sets uh, are speakers that I actually use here. I have a set of the A5s, which are the bigger version here in the studio. And I use a set of the A2s at home. The A2s are uh, a smaller version of the same thing. Two speakers in each cabinet. The cabinets are separate, so you can spread them as far out as you like. The uh, the A2s really fit well on a desk, and for their size, amazing ability to fill a room. The uh, A5s uh, are a little bit bigger, have a little bit more low end, have a little bit more projection, uh, but but certainly that that's not uh, not to say that the A2s don't have uh, have enough the a5s in addition to all of that have a plug port on the back an ac port where you can hang anything you like but really built to hang an airport express so that you can have an all-in-one solution you plug in one piece to the wall and then that's it the speakers are self-contained with the airport express driving your music from your itunes library wherever that may happen to be the a5 and a2 desktop speakers from audio engine usa at audioengineusa.com Probably a little late to get them as a, uh, a Christmas gift for someone, but uh, you never know. Maybe you get some uh, some money for Christmas and you get a pair for yourself. After Christmas, of course, we're all going to be traveling, and Katie has some questions about that. Hey, John and Dave, this is Katie from the Mac Core Podcast. I need some Mac advice, and you guys being some of the geekiest I know, this <laughs> is where I turn. My question relates to securing my Mac. I know you've talked about this in the past, but I was wondering what the new options were, if any, and if anything has changed since the release of Leopard. I'm doing a lot of travel these days for work, and I opt to take my MacBook rather than the company PC most of the time just for convenience. 
Since I'm on the road a lot with my Mac, I'm becoming more concerned about security and making sure that should my laptop ever be stolen, that no one has access to my files. Now, I have taken some general precautions. I've turned off automatic login. I've set my MacBook to require a password when waking from sleep or a screensaver. I set my keychain to auto lock, and I have all of my financial and confidential files stored in a separate encrypted disk image inside my home folder. But I was wondering what, if anything else, I could or should be doing to secure my Mac. Obviously, a geek who has physical access to the computer can overcome most of our standard precautions. I know there are laptop security programs out there that claim to report your IP address so you can track your stolen Mac, but I wasn't sure if they were worth the money. Now, FileVault is the obvious built-in option, but to be honest, FileVault scares the heck out of me because of the possibility for data corruption and lost. I was just wondering if you could give me the rundown of what you guys do to secure your Macs and what advice you would give for someone who travels frequently. Now, I do have my laptop fully insured under a rider to my homeowner's policy, so I'm not as worried about theft, more so someone getting a hold of my data. Anyway, I would appreciate any advice you could give me. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys at Macworld. And by the way, thanks for the great deal on a hotel room. Thanks, guys. All right, John, you are Mr. Security, so I am going to let you take this and run with it. I am? Oh, I am. You are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a few things. So, so one, uh, uh, as Katie mentioned here, there, there are a few things that you uh, should do up front. And uh, where you're going to find this is, um, or one place to look, it would be your uh, security control panel, uh, system preference. So if you go to security and then general, um, so there's a few checkboxes here, and I'd recommend, you know, well, I'll go for a few of them. So one is require a password to wake this computer for sleep, from sleep or screensaver. That's a good idea. So if you walk away in its sleep, someone can't just, you know, uh, and that, that's one big risk is, you know, leaving your machine open uh, when you walk away. Yeah. Um, just don't. Either sleep it or, you know, put it on a you know, five-minute or something. So if you're gone for longer than a moment, it's going to prevent somebody from getting it. Now, there's also another one, and it sounds like she enabled this, disable automatic login. And this is something that I... I'm not really crazy about that. Uh, last I've seen, the default installation of the OS logs you right in, which may be nice, and you know it's nice to get right down to it and start using your Mac. But you know it's a little risky because then anybody can do that. <clears throat> uh, and there are a few others I, I really don't use, but you may want to. So use secure virtual memory is another one. Um, you, you know, as you know, if you run out of physical memory, you, uh, it'll create a swap file. Well, a clever person could look. Uh, or I'm sorry, in the virtual you know memory swap files and uh, get some data because it's storing you know you may have important stuff in uh, uh, stored memory or in virtual memory. So that that's another thing. Um, then I would say of a few programs and, and and other tips here. So one, there's something normally you can start up a Mac as an external disk drive, target disk mode. A lot of Macs support this. Um, they have something that'll prevent that called open firmware password. Um, that's a program that just disables that ability. So, you know, one thing is, yeah, even if your Mac is passworded, this, uh, you know, if someone just holds down T and attaches it to another computer, voila, they have access to your hard drive. They win. Um, a few others, and I'll, I'll agree, File Vault. I mean, it does secure your uh, data, and yes, you should be afraid. Um, <laughs> I would suggest frequent backups. Now, that's another thing is if you make backups, well, your backups may not be encrypted, though I think some programs give the option for that, but be careful of your backups. If you have great security on your machine, but not your backups, well, if someone finds your backups, they win. Again, um, 
there are a few things. Stuff it is a, a commercial option for uh, create. You can create you know archives as well as encrypted archives. Um, but here's and, and it's a very nice product. But here's a freebie: um, disk utility. You can create an encrypted disk image mm. uh, yeah. using either 128 or 256-bit uh, AES. Um, so that's nice. And a, and a last thing here now: PGP. They used to have a free version. Um, I don't think they do anymore. It's strictly a commercial product. There's a project out there that I'm I'm going to look at in more detail called GNU PG, um, and they actually have a Mac version of that. So that's an open source version of the. Uh, uh, things that adhere to, I think it's called OpenPGP is the uh, the standard uh, that surrounds things like signing and encrypting. So I'm going to look at that a bit more, but uh, there's a quick list of all sorts of things. Oh, and the other one, I'm sorry. Uh, lastly, if you go to accounts, login options. Um, here's the one that I, I said I was going to mention again. Show the restart, sleep, and shutdown buttons. Um, there's a check here. You may want to uncheck that if you don't want people to walk up to a machine and be able to shut it down for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so right. It's, it's hidden in a weird place. Um, now, here's another display login window as name and password. Now, I think what that uh, list of users, I'm sorry, list of users, it'll show the users. You may not want to do that because that's the first step to getting into a system is knowing the names of the accounts, right? Right. Uh, so you may want to default to name and password so it doesn't show, uh, you know, give someone some hints here. There's another password hints. Depends on how you know, scatterbrained you are uh, forgetful <laughs> whether you want password hints. Um, you know, as you know, if, I think it's three failures. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you get the password wrong three times, it'll say, oh, would you like a hint? Right. You may not want to enable hints if you want to keep your uh, machine secure. And I would say that that's a, a good list of things to, uh, to try out. Yep. Uh, you could. OK, so I'm going to add two things to that and then talk about a crazy thing and then we'll, we'll move on. So one thing is that with Leopard, secure virtual memory is on by default. Um, and that I think was done so that Apple could get that Unix security certification uh, out of the box. So that uh, that that is now the, the way it is. You can turn it off, may make things a little more efficient, but I really haven't seen a problem with it, nor have I heard any reports thereof. Uh Another thing to do, and, and I've been trying to look at my MacBook to do this, but remote desktop seems to keep quitting on the, uh, on the dual G4 here, so I'm not going to try it again. Uh, but disabling the IR port, or, or at the very least, syncing your IR port to your remote only, right? Now, I mean, that, that's not going to affect your data, but, uh, but it isn't a bad practice to do either way. Uh, the last thing is anyone with a Mac OS X DVD can boot your machine and reset your root password uh, if you haven't set the open firmware stuff. And even if you have that, it's, it's capable of being bypassed. So and this is this is the, the crazy solution. Either take out or go in and remove the uh, the connector from your DVD drive so that no one can boot your machine with a DVD again. <laughs> I mean, you know, that that's definitely an extreme but it is worth being aware of if you think you've got your machine secure, that is one gaping hole uh, if somebody gets physical access to the machine. I know, Katie, you said you weren't as concerned about losing the computer as you were about having someone see the, the sensitive data. Well, there you go. So that's. Uh, yeah, I wonder if somebody somebody has to make a drive. Remember those things, yeah. I mean, especially on the older Macs and all that. It was a physical device that blocked yeah. the drive or yeah be extreme just pull the drive out just yank it yeah there you go all right uh moving right along here hey john and dave uh i have a question a friend of mine 
uh, is a bit of an audio geek, and he recorded a bunch of his, or ripped a bunch of his music in AAC format at at least 120 all the way up to uh, 1,411. Huh. Uh, he got married, uh, he, he has a new iPod, he's putting music on there, and of course it doesn't all fit because of that. His wife wants him to clean it up. So we're trying to think of the best way to convert um, that music to a acceptable level. We decided to do 192, but all of the music that he has is not the same bit rate. It's, some are actually 128. We're wondering what you would suggest to have as the, the best way all of that down to 128. And then the main thing is how to delete it. We were thinking of adding a playlist, a smart playlist that just had everything listed there above 160, 100, well, I think we did 192 actually, in a playlist, and then from there convert it. But to delete it, you can't delete it out of the smart playlist because it's a smart playlist. And if we look on the uh, music library and sort it by bit rate, it sorts it. Uh, by bitrate and not alphabetically unless the bitrate is the same. So that's our problem. We have been, we did the A's already and we're trying to go through and delete them all and we're selecting each one and just in the butt. We're hoping that you guys would have some other kind of solution. So that's it. All right. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought about this and I, I think, John, I think I've got an idea here. So you do the, uh, you select the files that you want to convert, right? And you, you run the conversion on them. That's pretty easy. You know, select multiples and, and then just go to the special menu and, and convert. At that point, the uh, go to your view options in iTunes, uh, which is under the, at the bottom of the view menu, and make sure that date added is one of the items in the list. Then sort by date added. Uh, all of the new things will be at the top. And the old stuff, of course, will be at the bottom. Select all the old stuff, and you could even sort by date added, maybe, and bit rate, right? So that you've got, uh, you know, you've got you've got a, a nice solid list. You got to be careful and make sure that you did. It, and and probably the safest thing here is reconvert everything, right? Even if the stuff is already at one twenty eight, reconvert it. Uh, and that way you'll be sure that you've got new copies of everything. Yeah, it would be very nice if there was a way to delete from the library something by way of a smart, a smart playlist. But uh, I have not found a way to do that. I've not found a script that will let you do that. If one exists, please, someone write in and let us know, because it would be so handy uh, for a lot of reasons to be able to go through into a smart playlist and tell it to delete. But I, I've, I've never found anything on that. John, have you? No. And there's one thing I wanted to add is you can yeah. also, it's kind of weird with iTunes, is you can control click in the, uh, in the uh, uh, music list. And that also shows the uh, different uh, uh, categories uh, that it sorts by. And date added, from what I recall, is something that, uh, that is not normally there. So right. just right. A, another way to get to that a little, little quicker. All right. Uh, John, I want to tell you about our second sponsor for this show. It's a... Uh, a new promotion being held at 20macapps.com starting February 1st, every fortnight, which of course is 14 days to you and me. One new app will be released and each app will be will cost $20 a piece. Now, these are not existing apps. I know you've seen a lot of bundles out there where people are bundling together existing apps. These are all brand new apps uh, that will be released for the first time as part of this promotion. Each one will be $20 each. The apps will be a mix of productivity, utility, game software, etc. However, if you pre-buy 
all 20 apps, you get all of them for $40. Uh, and that's a special for Mac Geek Gab listeners. The standard is 60 bucks. Along with that, it, that's the standard is $60 for a pre-order. Along with that, uh, with the pre-order, you get everything one day early. And if you're over 18 years old, you'll be ent- able to enter their beta program uh, with limited space, but they are prioritizing Mac Geek uh, listeners for this. And then you can test these apps early. Remember, it starts on February 1st, but each app is released every two weeks. So uh, this will last quite a while here. Guaranteed beta access is another five bucks. But again, uh, you, you may be able to get that uh, as, as part of your, your $40 because you're a Mac Geek Geb listener. They are going to prioritize that. Right now, if you sign up, you'll get a, a free copy of Billy Frontier. And there's a special Mac Geek Gab giveaway. If you visit 20macapps.com slash giveaway and choose the special code CIVIS. There's a list of codes. Choose CIVIS, C-I-V-I-S. And there'll be a drawing held, I believe, on January 2nd for three copies uh, of, of the giveaway. And then after that, of course, uh, you'll still be able to, if you don't win, you'll still be able to get in on the uh on the giveaway, which is or not the giveaway, the $40 pre-buy, which is at the link that, uh, that you've got right in, uh, right in front of you now, which is 20 max app doc, 20 Mac apps.com slash podcast. So that's that. You will hear, hear more about this from us. Uh, but, uh, wanted to tell you about that as they are now sponsoring the show with that, we'll huh. move along to, uh, to Chris and I'll say hi to Pete. That's we all heard Pete trying to uh, Skype in and say, hi, I don't, I don't think he realized John and I were recording the show here. Uh, hi Pete. So Chris writes in and says, I've had a problem that's been bothering me for quite some time now. I have an iPhoto library of about 1300 pictures and it has a lot of smart folders in it. They each look like, look at the file names of the pictures being imported and then sort them out accordingly. The issue I'm having is that whenever I drag and drop in any amount of photos now, it will look like it's importing everything. Then say finishing import, then nothing. The little album on the left side that says importing photos is there and the little working icon keeps spinning, but there's nothing in the iPhoto viewer window and the stop import button is grayed out. I can click on other folders and it will show me all my pictures, but I can't quit iPhoto because I have to wait until it's done importing. So I have to force quit it. And the next time I open it, the pictures that I imported are right there in my iPhoto library. Do you know what might be causing this? It imports everything fine. It just won't finish the import. He says he's tried to uh, rebuild the thumbnails and that sort of thing, and, and nothing seems to remedy this. Uh, there's a couple of things that uh, that I researched here, and then John, if you've got anything to add, uh, we'll you know we'll open the discussion up here. Uh, one thing first, there's iPhoto DB file backup, and we'll we'll send you a link to this in the show notes here. And Michael, of course, from iPhone Alley, will put it right in the uh, right in the AAC right right in front of you now. Uh, then you can, once you've got a backup made of the iPhoto library, you can rebuild the library manually by holding down command, i.e. Apple, and option or alt while launching iPhoto. And then from that option, choose repair, rebuild all. I believe that's what Chris has tried, but if it's not, then that, that won't hurt. Failing that, uh, iPhoto library manager, again, we'll provide the links for you in the usual places. Uh, has a more exhaustive rebuild function, but you do lose slideshows, books, and calendars. You don't lose playlists, and I don't believe you lose smart playlists, but you do lose slideshows, books, and calendars that you've created. Uh, but that's a, a true rebuild. It kind of sucks everything out and then and then rebuilds it back in. So iPhoto Library Manager may be your solution here, Chris, uh, and I hope that it is. So do you have anything to add to that there, John? 
A um, little bit, yeah. I did some poking around, too, and found in a uh, blog, which uh, we'll link to, but uh, someone pointed out that uh, pri- slash private slash var slash TMP is where iPhoto, and I would imagine a lot of other applications, uh, write temporary data. And uh, so one could speculate that while... Uh, I guess one is to make sure that that directory is there and uh, has the proper permissions that you can access it. The other is just keep in mind that you may need some temporary disk space to do some of these imports. And if you don't have a lot of space free, um, that could impact the performance of the uh, import operation. Interesting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, anything else, John, or, or do we move on? <clears throat> let's move on. All right, let's move on. How are we doing on time here? I really do need to be aware of the time today. Don't want to miss that doctor's appointment. Okay, uh, let's see. We will move on to Tim's question. Tim writes, I've been running an Intel Mac and iBook G4 on a Linksys wireless router for years with no trouble. Over the past summer, I found that I was not able to connect to the internet through either the wireless connection or the wired ethernet connection running through the wireless router. I tried updating firmware and passwords to see if I could remedy the problem, but with no success. I figured the router was dead. I connected... If I connected directly to the internet without the router, I have no trouble. Today, I finally got around to buying a new wireless router only to find that I'm still having the same issue with the new router. I am not able to connect wirelessly or through the wired ports on the router. When I open the network panel in system press, it shows a green lights for ethernet, network settings, and ISP, but red lights for internet and server in the diagnostic window. In retrospect, I'm thinking the trouble may have started around the time I finally upgraded to Tiger. I do not think this is the main problem and as, as I've been able to access wireless internet with my iBook at work, school, or other open hotspots. I'm also able to access other wireless connections in my neighborhood, so I'm convinced there is something wrong with my connection between my computer and my router. All right, uh, this gets interesting. I'm guessing you have a cable modem connection, Tim. John and I talked about this a little bit in prep. Uh, We actually had this question slated for last week's show. So it's been about a week since John and I talked about this. But... uh, I believe what has happened here, your cable modem and almost all cable modems will do this uh, are programmed to lock to one Mac address. Now, Mac not being the Macintosh computer, but Mac Media Access Control. uh, It's an acronym for the unique Ethernet ID of the device to which it connects. And when your cable modem powers up, the first device that it sees is the device it locks to. Now, most residential cable modem connections limit that to one MAC address per cable modem. Uh, at one point, I had a commercial uh, cable modem connection in, in my office in Connecticut because of the way things worked out. And I actually had eight. So I could connect eight computers and then it would let eight out. The reason they do this is because they have DHCP servers that assign addresses uh, at the cable company's you know, back end somewhere in their network. And the DHCP servers don't really know where you're coming from. So they will assign an address to anyone. They're, they're happy to do it. Any computer that can get to that DHCP server, bam, you get an address and, and you're you know automatically allowed out onto the internet. In order to limit people to the one computer, the one device that they're supposed to have uh, connected to their cable modem, the cable modem locks to the MAC address and only passes traffic from the, the, the address to which it's locked. If you unplug your one computer from the cable modem and plug another one in, and do nothing else, it will not let you talk on the on the network. Now, you can reset the cable modem and typically powering the cable modem down, letting it sit for you know, 30 seconds or a minute, power it back up, 
then connect a different device. So, you know, if you've got your, obviously it's locked to your computer. It's going to let your computer on the network, but it's not letting any of your routers power the power cycle, the cable modem, plug the router in, then power the cable modem back up. You should be in good shape. If that doesn't work, it's locked at your uh, at your cable company and you're going to need to give them a call and and they should be able to do this for you. No problem. They, they shouldn't give you any any trouble or anything. But uh, but that's my that's my belief on this. And and I, I think, John, you had some thoughts or, or maybe I covered them because we already talked about it. Um, <clears throat> a kind of a related thing, but I've seen this happen, like especially if you go to hotels or other places that, you know, sell Internet service. Um, and I had this happen once where, you know, I connected my computer directly and then realized, oh, darn, you know, I had my uh, my wireless access point. Let me plug that in instead. And like you said, I think what happens is those networks, they'll lock on the first device. And actually what this resulted in was them th- them billing me for two connections because they saw two different computers sure. or devices. Of course, when I went to them, I said, dude, I'm only one person in the room. How can you charge me twice? And they realized that that was silly. So, um, and I think in the bad old days, some, some providers would uh, typically, well, I guess they, they, they all really have to. I mean, now with you know, the advent of NAT and, and stuff like that, you really don't need to have multiple devices. Um, you know, you're going to switches now instead of hubs and all that. So, yep. Yep. You got anything else, John? Nothing else. Nothing else. Uh, y- you know, I think I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and bring the band in here. And, uh, as we, as we fade away before our, uh, our holiday tomorrow, I do have that appointment. I need to, to run to kind of last minute here. So this yeah, the be- holiday, you can track, uh, track the, uh, Santa. Yeah. That's right. For those, that's right. We're recording this early on on Monday, early ish for us. Uh, it's about eleven a.m. Eastern here, which means uh, I believe Santa's already on on his way. But but at noradsanta.org, you can go ahead and and track uh, his progress throughout the evening. For those of you that uh, are so inclined, I, I know our kids really really like it, and I actually get a kick out of it too. So. Yeah. How how did he get through the airport? I believe he's flying without shoes this year, and and anybody that wanted toy guns or knives, uh, those are those are going to need to be checked in the uh, in the baggage compartment underneath the sleigh. I think that's <laughs> or or any liquids or gels. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right? if you wanted, if you thought Santa was bringing you liquor, man, are you wrong? That's right. And if he is bringing you toothpaste, it's only going to be the little tiny little thing. You, you can't get the full tube. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to talk about here. Uh, make sure you sign up for the contest for the Cirque du Mac 5.0 party. Of course, that's uh, our big party at Macworld where the Macworld All-Star Band plays. And we've got uh, Andrew Stone's videator doing a... Andrew Stone with his videator doing a light show. Uh, I believe we've... We're actually going to mix up the, the face painters and that sort of thing this year. We will still have Hannah Artist, but I think we might have some other stuff as well. Uh, Otherworld Computing, Audio Engine, of course. And Edemotic are all the sponsors for that party, along with Company Stuff, who has been making our T-shirts for every Cirque du Mac party we've ever done. Um, we're really looking forward to it. That's Wednesday night at Macworld Expo. And I don't have a calendar in front of me, so I can't tell you what the date is, but I think it's the 16th. But you can go register for the contest, but it's Wednesday of Macworld, and I think you've got until January 2nd to win that contest, too. The podcast marketplace this month, of course, has the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible, PDF Pen from Smile on My Mac, travel arrangements from Harmon-E-Travel, and 20MacApps.com. You can enter the giveaway at slash giveaway or pre-buy the bundle at slash podcasts. 
other than that, I, I got nothing uh, nothing else to say except I'm gonna wish uh, all of you a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And John, uh, hey man, Merry Christmas. Ho ho ho. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anything else to uh, to get out there? Uh, Cashfly no. hosting is where you've downloaded the show from. We will be back. We'll do a show, probably the same deal uh, next week. I think. I think. You know, you know, Dave. I feel really bad because you know Santa's not going to bring stuff to one type of person. And what kind of person is that that he's not going to bring stuff to, John? Person that got caught. Oh, don't get caught. Made up.